0: This morning I have a um, a guest who's going to speak to us, and it's his name is Britt Hancock, and Britt, some of you know who Britt is. He's um, he is an amazing man. He, he he tries to pull off this country boy from Alabama thing, but but really, really, uh, it's kind of a shtick because he is. He, re- he is from Alabama, and he is a country boy, but there's some- he, is- he is one of the most brilliant people I know. He is, uh, he is one of the best disciplers that I know. He knows how to disciple. He is one of the only people I know, one of the very few people I know, who has witnessed people being raised from the dead when they prayed over them. He, is, he has seen and experienced so much as a, uh, a man who's served on the mission field. He understands a life of prayer that I, I learn from him. Uh, I learn from him about his family and about, about his worship life. I, I learn that he knows secrets with God that I, that, that I want to know. And so I am so grateful that he is my friend. And I'm so grateful that he's involved in the life of one chapel. And so I I want you to, to really give a huge, I want you to open your heart, and I want you to give a huge welcome to missionary Brett Hancock.
1: Thank you, but you got to do that for Jesus. Let's give... Jesus, the glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We love you and we worship you and we thank you are great. There's nobody like you, Jesus. And so, Father, I ask that you take over my mouth and you say what you won't said. I'm not interested in what I have to say, Lord. And, and uh, so I ask that you would send the Holy Spirit right now to every heart and every mind and every soul sitting in this building. And that you would do your work. That you would open. Each heart. Put the seeds there that you want. Do the miracle that needs to be done. in every one of us father. In the name of Jesus Christ the righteous. Amen. Amen. Howdy. Howdy. How y'all doing. Uh, I was sitting here last week. And. um, And. Many times, um, I, I lost the pressure to try to create sermons and messages a long time ago when we got a bunch of brand new churches going and, and I had more work than 10 people could do and I was preaching 70 times a month and I couldn't get that many messages together. and And the Lord really did a great thing in my life and that is to worry about what He wants to say to you and not what about... Uh, what kind of sermon I can get ready for you, and oftentimes he doesn 't tell me what to say until I stand up and but I was sitting here last week, and I was praying for you, and I said, Lord, what, are they, what do you want the, What do these people need? What do you want them to hear next week through my mouth? And most of the time I get silence when I try to get advance notice. But he did speak to me immediately. And so, um, well, I'll let you all be the judge of whether it came from him or not. So here we go. Let's talk about the heart today. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 13, uh, verse 20 through 22. 22. Here the Bible says in Acts chapter 13 verse 20, it says, all this took took about 450 years and after this God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king and he gave them Saul, son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin who ruled 40 years. Now uh, for those of you who are new to this Bible thing, you shouldn't just read it uh, and read verses and and uh, try to apply those verses to your life sort of haphazardly. You should read. Uh, everything written here is, has a context and you need to figure out what it's talking about. Um, so I'll leave that to you to see the context of this passage. Um, and it says, verse 22, after, remo- after removing Saul, he made David their king, and he testified concerning him. Now this is an extraordinary thing that God would testify something positive about a human being. You see, it's these ideas, a relationship with God that that I stay preoccupied about. That really is the central concern of my life. My relationship with the King of Kings. And where we want to be is... Uh, living and breathing and moving and doing in such a way that God would feel the compunction to testify about us. He's going to testify about all of us, you know, the testimony of your life. Your life story is being recorded. All your thoughts, all your deeds, all your attitudes, and your responses to everything, heaven is recording. And so he is going to testify about you. However, some of us God is going to have a bad testimony about. Some of us God is going to have a good testimony about. And you know who determines the difference? I do. You do. We do. We determine. Whether God's testimony about us, both now and forever, is either good or bad. And this fella named King David, God testified about him a lot. God liked to comment and bring him up. And this, these couple of verses say why. It says, after removing Saul, he made David their king. And he testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Do you know that God is looking for people like this? And do you know that the fact that he's looking... Is mine and your opportunity to be found? The fact that he's looking means we can be found. And you see this? Look at this. This is really awesome. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Semicolon. And then he defines what that means to him. He will do everything I want him to do. It doesn't say he'll do everything I tell him to do. He goes beyond what I tell him. And he does what I want. There's a difference. How many of you in here have raised kids? Raise your hands. You know there's a bunch of stuff you tell them to do. And then there's stuff you want them to do. What? makes your parent heart swell with pride the most when they just do what you tell them to do or when they go beyond what you tell them to do and do what you want them to do. Isn't that right? God is the same way. And so, if we want to become people about whom God is excited to talk that he that He just wants to seem to bring up, because of our value to Him. You know, we have very great value to God. We have so much value to God, He sacrificed the life of His Son for mine and your opportunities. Actually, that's grammatically incorrect, isn't it? For your and my opportunity. I'm not supposed to say me before y'all. Isn't that right? so what we're talking about really is heart inclination isn't it that's why God kept talking about David his heart inclination how many of you ever used a compass raise your hand a lot of people I've taught lots of people how to use the compass and the map and and uh, to navigate, and, 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 and if you've never used one, when, when I put a compass in a person's hand that's never used one, he looks like a cow at a Newgate. Huh? What's that? But you know basically how a compass works. It's got this little needle called the magnetic needle, and it seeks magnetic north, all right, if there's nothing to interfere with it. Then it has this little housing, and it has all these other parts, but I want to talk about the magnetic needle. No matter which way you turn, it always points in the same direction. See, you got this little thing called the housing and the direction of travel arrow on this, on the compass, and if you want to walk at 280 degrees, well, then you do the stuff, and you point the direction of travel arrow that direction, but you only know which direction you're going Your reference is the magnetic needle. It always stays in the same place. And you can turn any direction in 360 degrees you want to. But you always know where you are by one thing. That's that north-seeking needle. And, and, And so I want to propose to you that your heart inclination is the reference point of your life. Where is your heart inclined toward Actually, who is your heart inclined toward? For some people, their hearts are inclined toward what? But mine is inclined toward who? First, the King of Kings. And second, for me, the kingdom is about. Relational dynamics, relationship in people. It's not about structures. It's not about doctrine. It's not about what I believe. It's about who I know. And what I believe comes from who I know. That doesn't mean I don't have the plumb line of sound teaching and all those things. But it can never trump my relationship with Jesus. And if you're really close to the man, he's going to drive you into the book. But the book doesn't always drive you into Jesus. How is that? Well, Jesus himself said that in John 5, 39 and 40 when he was talking to the scribes and Pharisees. He said this. You diligently study the scripture because you think that by them you have eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Wow. So the the Bible is not the cure. Jesus is the cure. And if all you're studying and you're reading is not leading you to Jesus, you're totally missing it. You're actually a miserable person inside. (laughs) See, I said that with a smile. They turned the lights down, so I'm being nice, see. (laughs) So, let's look at Luke chapter 6. Uh, Which way is that? That's to the left from where I'm at, right? Yes. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke chapter 6. So really, what we should be interested in as believers, as Christians, as people of Christ, we should be preoccupied with what our heart inclination is. Because you see, no matter what direction you may be pointing and walking, if your heart inclination is tracking and always pointing and seeking and drawing to God, no matter where you go, number one, you'll know where He is. And number two, it'll pull you back over there. But if your heart inclination is pointing somewhere else, no matter what effort you apply... To try to be what you know the truth is. You cannot overcome the power of your own heart. And so there's a lot of people that end up frustrated. They diligently do all these things that turn into religion. They mentally assent to the truth. And, and for some reason, they just can't seem to get it. And they can't seem to stay on track. It's because their heart is pointing in a different direction. you got all these things. you got carnal nature and evil desires and all these things that we're born with that are, that are working for you to point your heart somewhere besides God. And no doubt there's people, you, some of you are out there going, I know that's right. And I know my heart's not in the right direction. I've tried for years and I can't get it. To, I just, it's just not working. And, I'm, and you're half in despair. And so I really believe, I, I, as a matter of fact, I know there's people out there. If Jesus spoke to me to talk about this, that means you need it. More than just to say amen and be happy that, that, that Ross has a friend that's a, that's a preacher that's going to give y'all some dynamic message, because it is. This is good preaching, what I'm giving you right here. <laughs> Luke chapter 6, uh, verse 43 through 45. Where is it? I don't got it marked, I don't think. A tree and its fruit is the title. It says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Now, do you guys see really what he's talking about? A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart heart for out of the overflow of his heart his mouth speaks how many of you know that it's a great thing to speak about Jesus okay well do you know that your your head can speak something your mouth your your mind can say one thing and your heart can say another You know, there's preachers that can stand up and preach about the love of God and people sitting there listening to them go away mad and angry. Now, how could that be? Because it is possible to to talk about the right thing and the voice on the inside is saying something else because I'm speaking really with two voices to you. And you know really what integrity is? It's when my mouth and my heart my spirit are saying the same things. See? So if I have anger and strife and, and wrath inside, but I'm talking about the love of God, that's how come I can say the right thing and some of the listeners out there go away angry or unsatisfied. Or how about this? Talk about integrity and faithfulness and have unfaithfulness in the heart. Talk about fidelity and marriage and have an adulterous heart. Oh man, I say I'm not supposed to say those things in this seeker-friendly generation. But it is, however, the truth. And so there's no way for you to determine what is in my heart. Jesus is the only one who knows that. Right? Right? So what we should all aim for, the way that you get your heart in line with your mouth is either match what it is with what you're saying and not be a hypocrite. Because, you know, you can have integrity in bad ethics. Did you know that? Integrity is not magic. Integrity is just saying and believing and being the same thing. But what we want is to line up with God. What we want is our heart to seek God. What we want is both voices to say the same thing when we interact with people. Isn't that true? Isn't that what our world needs right now? Isn't that what Austin needs? And all the surrounding places where you have relational connections with people. So... Why is it that our heart is important? How many of you want to see God? Raise your hand. Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 says, The pure in heart will see God. How many of you want to ascend the hill of the Lord? It says in, in Psalm 24. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who doesn't swear deceitfully, who keeps His word even when it's damaging to Him. Watch what you say. Read Psalm 24. Read Psalm 15. It talks about the heart. But I want to, instead of me just saying, okay, you all got to get your hearts right. We all need to get our hearts right. You know that old saying, God knows my heart. I'm just in sin, but God knows my heart. Well, that is the problem. He does know your heart. Exactly what's up in there. (laughs) Uh, Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3 real quick. I really want to honor your time and not bore you. Y'all bored? You wouldn't say so if it was, if you were. (laughs) But I'm glad you're not. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. There there was a fight that broke out. How about that? Christians fighting each other in a church. That's a novel thing, huh? That's never happened since then, right? Um, uh, it goes on down and people were arguing and they were fighting because they were following people and they were following teachings. They weren't following Jesus and Paul was trying to correct them and so they were saying, I, I follow Paul, and I follow Apollos, and I follow Jesus. And they weren't talking about the real guy, or they wouldn't have been in the fight. You know, they'd have been trying to fix the fight. Paul's from Jesus. He tried to fix the fight. And so they have this conflict going, and he, he starts explaining some things. And, and uh, he says in verse, let me see here, verse 6. He says, I planted the seed in Apollos' water, but God made it grow. Oh, so he's talking about agriculture here, isn't he? So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but God who makes it grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. Now, what's it talking about when it says you're God's field? What do you do in a field? In this context, you plant stuff. He's talking about farming. Okay, so any of you in here know anything about farming? A little bit. Everybody cognitively understands the ideas. Well, see, we, the people we preach to in the countries where we work, they're all subsistence farmers, and they really get this. Now, let's go over here. Do you see that, right? you see this analogy that Jesus is talking about? You or a field. Let's look at Matthew chapter 13, this parable called the parable of the sower. Since Paul said, I sowed Apollos watered. let's, what's he talking about? He's, he's jumping off of this, this parable, this story, this example that Jesus gave. And it says in Mark chapter 9, The kingdom of God is like and explains the whole agricultural process. You sow the seed, there's time. While the seed, it's got to germinate, it puts roots in the ground, it starts to grow. There's a stalk that comes, the stalk does its thing, branches go out, fruit happens, the fruit ripens, and then there's a harvest. That is how the kingdom works on multiple levels. That's free, I just kind of threw that in there, that, that deep theological stuff. (laughs) all right so are we and are you following this whole farming thing so the parable of the sower does it or does it not apply to us yes so here's what it says a farmer went out to sow in verse three went out to sow his what a what a sower's sow seeds as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and they ate it up, and some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on, the gr- on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. He who has ears to hear, let him hear all right, I've heard this taught my whole life that this is classifications or classes in general of people and their response to God. It certainly is that. All right, I don't I don't and since since um, a bunch of you have heard it preached and taught and you think about it that way, I don't need to talk about it that way. I'm not here to retalk over it. But I want to propose a, a new thought to you maybe for some of you. Um Look at verse 18, because here's where the explanation starts. It says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil comes and snatches away what was sown in his, where? Heart. Paul said, we're God's field. And he talked about the sowing thing Well, exactly where in us is the field thing at? See, that's good English, too. Where is it? It's your heart. Your heart works dynamically according to this principle. Your heart, my heart, every human heart works like this. So now, I want us to think... It certainly is classes of people. Some people here, and they, you know, the devil snatches away and they don't ever get saved. How many, any, any, how many of you in here have ever witnessed to somebody that didn't get saved and they never got saved and they died? And, they, and as far as you know, they never received the word that you spoke to them. Anybody? Me. Buck. And then other ones, too, just like this they receive it in a little while they do good and then something happens and they they eh, yeah i know i'm stomp i'm i'm in dangerous water because of all the doctrinal currents but that really is true you know some people seem to do good for a time and then uh, what happens they just disappear is this true anybody ever encountered somebody like that and then other things, you know, it's all these examples. But I want you to set that example aside just a second. Not discount it, just set it aside. And I need, I need your thinking caps to grab a different perspective. What if this also can mean heart conditions in a believer? Because, you know, there's a bunch of space inside your heart. It is designed to grow every crop from the Word of God. Or let's think about it like this since we think about it in these contexts. It's able and designed to grow every subject matter covered in the Bible. Love, that's a subject matter. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are good things. Judgment, wrath. Those are... Not bad things, but they're intense things. Healing, salvation, integrity, sacrifice, honor, ethics. All those things are covered by this book and your heart is intended to grow a crop from that truth. Everybody with me? So think of it like this, a a farm that has multiple fields. You got some tomatoes growing over there and you got okra growing over there. See, I'm from the south, okra, we eat fried okra, Alabama, it's good stuff. Okra growing over here, you got corn, you got lettuce and and all these things. Do you see it? Y'all following me? You're not lost, huh? Okay, Cooter Brown's not up in here today. See, y'all don't get it. The saying is lost is cooter brown. See, you don't get it. (laughs) I don't know who he is neither, but every time I hear about him, he's lost. (laughs) Now I'm totally lost of what I was saying. Okay, look. Look, verse 18 says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom... So, do you realize that what I'm doing right now is I'm giving you the message of the kingdom. And what form is it coming to you? Seed form. And where is it going? Into your heart. And it says right here: when anyone hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, so something many of you have ever read anything or heard a sermon and not understood it about some subject in the Bible? Raise your hand. I think every hand's going up, but if you don't put your hand up, I need to warn you that liars go to hell. (laughs) Does that mean you don't love God? If It doesn't mean you don't love God if there's one part of this thing that you don't understand, does it? But so, therefore, there might be something in the heart of a believer, some things you understand that bear fruit in your life about God and about the Word, and that's really good. For some of you, you got the love thing down. I mean, you got harvest, and you're picking ears of love, and you're giving them to people, and it's just awesome. But righteousness, now that feels got weeds in it. You hear me? How about patience? Wisdom. Do You know, you can have wisdom without understanding. And somebody, uh, somebody that tries to apply wisdom without understanding will misdiagnose what they see every time. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, insight. Those are all things that according to this dynamic, they're distinctly different and they're designed to grow in your heart. All at the same time. What's the seed? The message of the kingdom. So you see here, what we got is a whole warehouse. An endless supply of genetically superior seeds that will germinate. The promise is that it will germinate. They are good seeds. They're not bad seeds. If Okay, so let me ask you something. If you had a bucket full of seeds. Because a sower, you know, they used to carry seeds around. And our Indians, they, they... they uh, carry a stick with a point on it and a bag full of corn seeds. If they're planting corn and they poke a hole in the ground and they drop five corn seeds in that hole and they mash the hole over with their foot and they take another step and they poke a hole and they drop five corn seeds in there. One seed's for the birds, one seed's for bad we- for, for too much water, the other seed's for not enough water, and this and that and the other. Then maybe out of five they'll get one or two plants that germinate. All right, so think about that. Let's say you're walking along. I've got my seeds right here, and I'm on this nice, pretty stage. And I'm dropping seeds on this here stage. And it happens in Mexico. It takes five to six months for corn to come to harvest. Am I going to get a corn plant in six months from this stage up here? How come? Oh, now... We're talking about soil condition, aren't we? Do you know who it is that fixes the heart? Who's in charge of the soil condition? Jesus is. We can't fix our heart. What does Psalm 51 say? Create in me a clean heart. Okay, so how many of you want a clean heart? Raise your hand. I want a clean heart. How many of you have ever asked God for a clean heart? That's good. you being biblical. God likes that. But you know what? If you only stop at a clean heart, do you know what happens if you clean ground and get it perfectly prepared, but you don't put no seeds in it? What comes back? Same old stuff that was there that you cleaned up from. How many of you have ever experienced an encounter with God where he cleans your life and he gave you relief? Uh-oh, I'm five minutes over. Should I stop? All right. They said no. Listen, here's what we'll do. Y'all are dismissed, but I ain't done, And so you, you decide. You can't say, I kept you long. All right? So let's say you do, do you know that the hard work in farming, let's say let's say you pick out a, 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 a place and you want to plant some stuff there and you want to turn it into a farm, but it's got trees and stickers and rocks. How about garbage? Somebody dumped in years past a whole bunch of garbage on there and it's got broken glass and skanky, stinking stuff that somebody else put there. Do you think that your heart might could have some... Garbage other people dumped there. How about rocky, hard? Maybe not your whole heart, but part of it could be hard. How about this? You're really good with salvation, and you know you're going to heaven... And you have a relationship with God, but you may have had a son or daughter or spouse or mother or father die. And so you've given up on the fact that God heals. And so that part of your heart's turned hard. Either the ground has is, is just got this sort of impacted, impermeable surface on it. Or maybe the soil's gone and there's nothing but rocks thro- showing through. Um, you know, I... I uh, Jesus has blessed us where Mountain Gateways getting 10 acres in Dripping Springs. And I went all over the place and looked. In, and, and there's a, bunch, a whole bunch of cedar-choked rock piles out there y'all call land. <laughs> he didn't give us one of those. But and you know what? There's a bunch of folks that have hearts just like that. Rocks and, and the plants that rob things. Larry Foster told me, you jerk every cedar off that property because it sucks up all the water. There are parasitical plants that can grow. And you know what? Your heart will grow stuff. It says in Galatians chapter 5 that you reap what you sow. Right? So what you let into your heart, it's going to grow up. And you may not recognize it right to start with, but it's going to produce a harvest. So if it's toward the flesh, corruption is coming. If it's toward the spirit, life is coming. So look, let's look at this real quick. I really real try to hurry. Um, it says, the evil one comes along and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is a seed that was... Sown along the path. When he first said it, he said some seeds fell by the wayside. But when he explained, he says that really was done on purpose. Do you see it? Verse 20, it says, The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Okay, so if we're talking about a believer, have you ever found out somebody gave you a teaching and you got so excited about it and you went full tilt? People get really excited about things sometimes and they do that with the things of God. And then they jump out there and they try it like the snake oil salesman preacher sold it to them and it don't work and they get disillusioned. And that part of the and the truth, they totally missed the truth. And that part where they received immediately, they received it well, doesn't produce anything. Think maybe that's ever happened in your life? You ever gotten excited about something that didn't work quite like you were sold to believe it would work? How about this? Let's see. What's the next one? Or you take a stand on something. Do you know that we are built to be counter-cultural? So there's always problems when we reflect the society around us rather than transform it. Now, it's okay if the society is reflecting the principles of God. We were there in our country for a long time. We, however, are no longer there. And so to make a stand on something that you, that you hear that's the truth, that's good, that's right, and you stand up and all of a sudden persecution comes and it wants to choke you and you get scared because really, you know, this whole surrender thing, you hadn't worked that out yet and you're still alive when you're supposed to be dead and so you kind of give up on that. And what happens? Weeds and thistles and thorns come up and they choke out the truth. In that part of your heart. I'm not talking about that you backslide and you totally fall away from Jesus. I'm talking about that thing, that area. That in your heart is intended to grow that part of God's truth. Where is it? What's there? Sticker bushes. If I throw corn seeds in sticker bushes. Am I going to get any corn in six months? Nope. Absolutely not. So then... But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, he quickly falls away. And the one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life, uh uh-oh, this is America's verse right here, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it. Now, these two words are important because I happen to know that if you plant stuff where there's sticky bushes, it ain't going to grow. But if you don't tend the field right, there will be stuff that grow up to choke out the viable plant. So this is talking about somebody that had this field in good condition, and then they let the worries of life and the deceitfulness of riches, which means you have a problem where your trust is, choke out the truth. Again, you're not falling away. You just got faith issues or trust issues or whatever. Everybody with me? Does this make sense at all? Are y'all getting something to eat? Okay, well, I'm over time and, you, and the roast that's in your oven's going to turn into jerky, but... People don't do roasts in ovens no more, do they? I don't know. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is a man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, isn't that where we want to be? Do you know what? The fact that that exists is our opportunity to capitalize on it. Now, we're all over the map in the kingdom whether, whether deliverance is a real thing. Those of you who have been around the world that believes in deliverance, you know this as a scenario. There are a lot of people who are in deliverance who believe that that's the catch-all solution for everything, and so they call you down, and they want you to have this big power encounter in the front with God, and they pray for you, and, and they cast everything out of you in order to get good stuff in you, all right? And those things do Honestly exists. Demons do exist and deliverance is a real thing. But most of people, really what they have is a farming problem. Have you ever known somebody to come have a power encounter? And God does what He does. He fixes the soil. If this kingdom thing is about farming, we have to be concerned about the soil. God is the one who fixes it. But he doesn't sow. Paul said, I sowed. Whose responsibility is it to sow? Mine and yours. That's why we seek God. That's why we need to read the Bible. That's why we need to pray. That falls in our court. God claimed the dirt. He paid the price to buy your heart with his blood. He cleans the dirt and prepares the soil with his power. But he will not put the seeds in the soil once he cleans it. And so people run down. They have a power encounter with God. They think they're getting delivered. And Jesus is just cleaning the dirt. And they go along for a while. You know, it takes a minute for the weeds to grow back. But they certainly and most unstoppably will come back. If you don't put something viable and valuable in the place where the weeds were. Does that make sense? So, I said all that to say this. Read the Bible and pray every day and you'll grow. (laughs) The how of heart inclination... Is getting all of the intended real estate in your heart in cultivation. God cleans, we plant, all we do is plant. We don't walk up and down with a hoe and clean the hedgerows. God does that, and we don't make the seed grow either. All the hard stuff God does. He bought the dirt, he cleans the dirt, he put the genetic code in the plants, he makes it grow. There's all kinds of things. You need water, you need sunshine, you need good soil, you need, you need nutrients. It's all in the Bible. It really is. Y'all follow that? Okay, so I want you all to stand up. Some of you need to let Jesus claim the soil that He's already paid for. You need to, you need to give your life to Him. And there's a... Um, you need to get saved. You need to turn your life over to Jesus. And there's, I don't know where it is, I don't have an example up here, but there's a connection card. If you're going to make that decision today, you need to fill that card out. Not so that, as Pastor Ross said, anybody here is going to hound you, but so that we can help you get your farm in order. Okay? Because we don't want anybody in here that has any part of the real estate of their heart in bad cultivation. I want everybody in here to understand that there is nothing in your heart that Jesus can't fix. There's only one thing that's unpardonable, and that's the blaspheming blaspheming the Holy Spirit. And if you've done that, you wouldn't be sitting here, so I'm sure you don't have to worry about that. Jesus can fix anything. And if He's left you breathing, that's Him saying, it's not over for you. No matter what you've done, and no matter what's happened, He can fix it. It may be that your whole heart has grown hard. But He has the power to turn a heart of solid granite into a heart of flesh. Or into the blackest, most fertile, most nutrient-rich, receptacle, waiting to grow His righteousness that you can fathom. He can do that. Maybe you know as you go up and down in the field of your heart, you're so sad because you had such an awesome cornfield and now there's there's briars and there's thistles, fear and worry and uncertainty. It's encroaching and it's choking out. Your harvest is going down. It's there, but it's going down. You know, Jesus can even fix that. We've seen the power of God raise dead crop plants that were so dry you could crush the leaves with your hands. And he gave them life again in Mexico. If he can do that for a poor Indian, he can do that in a heart. He can, doesn't matter what it is. If there's a garbage pile that, that circumstances and somebody else has dumped in your life and you really were innocent and it wasn't your fault and you've been drowned by the actions of other people. Jesus can clean all the gro- broken glass and garbage and junk right out of there. But once he does, I want us all to commit... That we will do our part. It doesn't say that it's only this staff's responsibility to put seeds in your heart. Seeds are sown by people. We need to sow into each other and into ourselves. This is how. The compass needle turns and points to God and stays pointed at Him. If we will work this process. But it has to be worked. We can't just let life sort of carry us along and wonder why bad things keep happening. Bad things are going to keep happening. But there is nothing that can happen that has more power than God's ability To turn that to eternal good in your life. So. If you need. To give your heart to Jesus. And surrender your whole life. Just raise your hands real quick. I'm not going to embarrass you. Raise your hand. Stick it up. Up where, where I can see it. Thank the Lord. You know what? That is the best decision. That you can ever make now please on that what's it called that card it's a connection card fill it out turn it in now if you know you have heart issues out of the abundance of the heart your life is it's what you speak it's what you live it's what determines your attitudes. That's what determines your worldview. And if it's not where you want it, that can change. The power of God will prepare your heart to grow His righteousness. And that's a process. And nobody should be uh, upset by the fact that that is a process. That's what we're all doing together is walking through the process. So if you're willing to, number one, say, yes, I know that I have heart issues. And number two, I will make a commitment to do the part that is mine to do. Raise your hand. Okay, Father, you see. You see every hand that's raised. You see every decision that's made, whether hand went up or not. Both for new life, for restoration, for healing, for cleaning. Lord, we so desperately need our hearts to point to you always. That our inclination track toward you no matter what happens. No matter what currents of life blow us off. No matter what decision we make. It causes us to stray to the right or the left, to go backwards or to go into the wrong direction. If our heart is inclined toward you, we will return. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, according to the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you do your work, that you draw the net and catch the fish that need to be caught, and fix the fish. That are already called, Lord. Father, we love you. We worship you. We give you honor. Because you deserve the object of your suffering. And that is us. In Jesus' name.